Hey guys, welcome back to the show. This is Tamne. This is Harsh. We hope you're having a great day. I've been having a fantastic day, Harsh, actually. Really? Yeah, I went back to my roots today. Did you know I was a barista in high school? Wait, what? I never knew this. I'm just kidding, I wasn't. <laughs> you're kidding me. Yeah, yeah, it's for the bit, it's for the bit. Uh, anyway, yeah, it's been a great day. It's almost Friday. We, what are we doing tonight? We're going to Thursday night football. Yeah, baby. Going to get some beers in. Going to eat some pizza. Lots of pizza. Yeah. Should be, should be a very fun time. Hey, you know what's even more fun? This weekend. This show. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. This is, this is the best show on Spotify. Yeah. I think so. I was looking back at our analytics and the, the feedback we've been getting. We are doing great. People are loving the content. They're loving the guests we're having on. And uh, we really appreciate that. I think the more that we keep doing this, we'll be able to get, continue to have really good guests and great content. And that's what we love to see. Yeah, it wouldn't be possible without our viewers. So just a big shout out to you guys. Yeah. Well, without further ado, we've got a great guest on the show today. We Today on the show, we have Victor Mikarski. Victor has been working in the entrepreneurship and software development space for years. He's competed in several accelerator programs, founded an AR company while in college, and is a big proponent of growing the AR and VR community in Chicago through his leadership on several organizing committees. And not to mention, Hirsch, did you know this? He's a smoked Gouda, is that how you say it? Gouda cheese connoisseur. Fun fact. What does that even mean? Well, let's find out. Welcome to the show, Victor. Good to be here. Good to be here. I, I think it's pronounced Gouda, and it's it's a food that I like sometimes. Okay. Okay. Well, I I don't think I've maybe I've had it. I think I think all cheeses are the same. I mean, when I go to Subway, I just get Swiss cheese and call it a day. So I think I'll have to learn my cheeses if, at some point. Cool. So people often, you know, group augmented reality and virtual reality together. And it's, it's pretty easy nowadays to confuse both terms and get them, you know, think that they're one and the same. So Victor, for our listeners, can you maybe just start off by describing the difference between, um, you know, between AR and VR and how they emerged? Um, sure, sure. First, though, it would also be really cool. What is your guys's background in knowing about this space at all? So for me, I would say that I've primarily been involved with um, VR. So I took several, well, I took a class in VR in college and uh-huh, uh-huh. Did several projects through that. Uh, I think I made a flight sim, actually. That was pretty cool. Um, and then I also did a senior capstone project, actually, using VR. So I made a, I made a uh, climate change awareness app in Oculus um, that could help um, raise awareness about climate change and the different ecosystems that are being impacted by it. So that's kind of my my foray into vr um haven't really done much with ar very cool uh, i mean i played pokemon go does that count very much so yes <laughs> yeah the, the same for me pretty much vr i, I use on a day-to-day basis for gaming i know i have an oculus back at home and so i'm always playing around with that and i think my favorite app on wow, yeah on vr is, is the google earth and you, you can see like mm-hmm. the city and when what it feels like to be there absolutely yeah, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Well, and so that's great context. And to answer your question, um, yeah, I mean, you kind of already did even through your answers, but 
uh, to put it for somebody who just has never heard of this space at all, um, a simple way to think about it is that augmented reality would be anything that you can just, you know, project some type of information on top of the real world. So you still see the real world and you interact with it somehow, um, be it through a lens or it, something projected into your retina or, or through a mobile phone and you see little um, pokey men running around. Um, and then virtual reality is you're closed off. You're in your own world and um, you are playing a game. You're running through a simulation and you're immersed and you um, might as well not even be in the real world at that point. Yeah. So what sparked your initial passion? I know we, I gave a brief intro where we talked about your AR company and, and we'll dive into that, but before we do, you know, what, what sparked that passion for you and, and what made AR more interesting than VR for you to work on? Well, the, you know, as an, as a budding entrepreneur, I suppose you were always drawn like moths to a flame to profitable business use cases. And for me, what kind of starting out VR was always this really fun and engaging medium that is, I think, going to reshape a lot of how we entertain ourselves. Um, but for me, I, I found a lot more enjoyment out of the use cases where, you know, you're, you know, a, a business has a certain percentage um, increase in sales um, because of a technology or um, their workers are more productive. Um, and and those use cases are, is what kind of drew me to the flame. So um, and, and why why I even started working in augmented reality? And in particular, I like how you're still working with the real world and that you're not cut off, but you're actually improving how your current life is through some type of digital overlay. And I find that very empowering and, and a good kind of marker of um, how societies might work moving forward. Absolutely. And you took that a step forward. I mean, you, so back in uh, mid 2017, I believe you launched your company called Menu3, which is super exciting. So um, can you dive us, you know, walk us through that? What was the value prop? And what were um, what were some of the market trends or factors you saw back then that made you want to start this company? Well, I've definitely come a long way since then. And, and back then, this was kind of, I like to say, before AR was cool, kind of. This was before kind of more modern software stacks like um, ARKit and AR Core and kind of, kind of these common pushes by Apple and Google to make these technologies mainstream before any of them, any of them came out. And so back then it was really kind of, you needed to believe in something fairly strongly, I suppose. And in my case, it was that this kind of new technology of augmented reality is going to reshape a lot of how we purchase products. And my big belief was that if consumers are provided some type, are provided information about product in a very kind of holistic, all-encompassing way, then people will want to access that information. And so um, I applied that concept as one of the first few companies to the food industry. And so what our company did was that when you went to a restaurant, instead of having traditional kind of boring paper menus that um, were not very descriptive, you would have this engaging um, mobile augmented reality experience where you could actually select menu items and place them on the table in front of you to make great purchasing decisions. That's amazing. And so now you're working with several restaurants to put this into practice or where, where are you at with the growth of the company today? Well, that's a, um, so it, kind of in my progression, even with 
business models and things like that. Selling to restaurants is frankly a terrible business model and wouldn't recommend anyone go into it. Uh, in the kind of market trends that I was mirroring in my kind of budding entrepreneurial career where a lot of these AR experiences for high-end items like furniture and cars um, and high-end manufacturing equipment, these were very kind of visceral use cases where the ROI was there. But for a $10 food item that would only have about like 2 to 5% margin for a restaurant, selling more of those for you to actually have a return on investment is going to be incredibly high. So um, since then, I, I've worked a lot more in um, productivity in, empowering areas, like empowering frontline workers and um, and also some of the infrastructure layer tools. So actually making this you know on-demand 3D scanning and model creation and um, client-side delivery of 3D models through kind of APIs that support these types of technologies um, as kind of building a lot of what the AR industry lacked and, and what I learned in building um, the, the first company of Menu3. Absolutely, yeah. And I think what you just said, you, you phrased it very well. I think it, the power of technology nowadays is as a platform. You know, we see, we see companies becoming very successful because they're able to create a whether it's a software as a service, a platform as a service, and I'm using terms here that, you know, some of our listeners may not be familiar with, but basically, you know, these, these um, categories sort of describe the ability for a company or a group of people to take a technology and almost make it agnostic of any particular use case and make it possible to apply that technology for different applications and for different problems. And it seems like that's um, it's definitely where AR is headed and that's where you found that potential when first starting your company. So, you know, going back to the, um, when you like first described your, your value proposition and the trends you saw in, um, in the AR industry, you know, I was doing some research beforehand and um, I think it's a, a, an interesting quote I found actually is from uh, this playwright named Ryan Fryle and I'll just read it out here. Um, he said, it's not the literal past, the facts of history that shape us, but instead the images of the past embodied in language, whether that's written or otherwise. And, you know, personally, I think AR could, um, it could definitely play a role in sort of recreating historical moments and landscapes. And it, 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 it very well could be the new way of sort of documenting very defining moments in time. So I think along with, you know, different applications that we see in various industries, and we'll dive more into that um, as we go along in the show. I think it's it's very exciting that AR, just as a technology itself, has the power to become such a big platform um, for for change. So, so my question to you, Victor, is um, you know going going back to the sort of commercial landscape and and more practicalities. What do you think are maybe some of the main business use, use cases today for AR? And just to touch on that previous point as well, it was much more kind of an, an, an artsy point and a historic view on things. The beauty about why I love this space is that if you, if you actually walk into any event that focuses on these types of technologies and kind of just maybe meet people or just see like what types of people you'll find, um, you will find the most diverse set of people and skill sets and interests um, and, and backgrounds that I think you would find that you wouldn't find in any other industry, because essentially all these technologies do is it's just this medium to like put stuff on top of either the real world or just in this virtual environment. And so you can be an artist or an architect or 
a computer scientist or a designer or a 3D modeler. And these are all valuable skill sets in this space. And, and you can go like deep into any particular industry and niche and explore this entire deep world of possibility. Um, now, in terms of which industries I find most interesting, I like the ones that are very profitable. So, um, yeah, of course. For, for example, art had a big kind of spike in maybe like three years ago or so, where you had these kind of very early AR apps that maybe let you draw in your environment or um, have some sort of in, engaging functionality that way. And you had games as well, like Pokemon Go kind of making a big leap in the entertainment and, and creative sectors. Um, now you see largely a lot of those apps kind of fizzling away. And what they're, at least in the art sector, for example, they're replaced with actually large companies coming in, like like Adobe making a, an AR authoring tool to bring it into their suite of Adobe products to actually make it more widespread now and available to anyone. Um, in terms of which industries, they're going to change for any industry that you would talk to. And all of them will have their own profitable implementations and some not. Um, in terms of social and artistic, the big companies are starting to take a big interest now in uh, Facebook, Apple, Snapchat, um, Adobe, and building these tools for easy AR authoring and creation of these experiences for other audiences. Um, for uh, things like manufacturing and industry, um, you have a really big push on that. You know, One of the business use cases I mentioned is productivity. So how can you take a frontline worker and that's maybe somebody who is either on the lines building up building a product in a manufacturing um, f- factory of some type or a- assembling something or you're fixing um, a car in some far off place or you're fixing some electrical wires up on a pole how can you use some type of either overlay over your eye to have a hands-free experience to build something uh, really quickly and uh, not return once more to fix something because the first run at it was shoddy. So that is in particular things like remote assist. So you're actually streaming a video and somebody is helping you in your ear and drawing in on top of your environment, telling you what exactly to do. Um, that is having those same experiences, but actually now recorded. So you could actually have a senior person giving kind of an AR experience to a younger person you know, person in a factory, say, and they, they can kind of pass on that knowledge to have much more kind of hands-on learning on what exactly you're, what knob you're actually supposed to turn to um, make the thing work the way it's supposed to. Sure. Um, so it seems like, and, it seems like, and it, it can go on and on. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it seems like a big byproduct of, as you mentioned, you know, engagement, whether that's being able to sell more product, um, whether that's direct to consumer, business to business, whatever model, Productivity. It seems like a big byproduct of these different use cases is the education, the awareness, the training aspect. Um, is that correct? I mean, what, what are your thoughts on on um, you know AR being used more as as you mentioned a, a training tool for for getting people and whatever whatever job or sector they're part of to be able to um, perform better? I mean, have you looked into any research that says that maybe they're um, there is a quantifiable increase in, in job performance or efficiency um, through using AR as a training mechanism? I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but I absolutely know that there have been some multi-million dollar acquisitions made in this space by large companies that focus on these, these types of in, in manufacturing, in warehouse work. 
Um, the it it is much easier, I'd say, to prove ROI on that versus um, even selling more products. Like that's actually a very kind of proven thing because all you have to do is you to start with an industry like this is you just go for the most expensive, you know, fuck up possible. Like if you give, uh, if, if you mess up, you know, a hundred thousand dollar piece of, uh, equipment or a product, um, that's a big deal. And if you can just go as high up as you want and that'll, you know, even there saving one of those issues is going to be a big ROI bump. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that as we progress along and see more and more use cases emerging, there will be a, you know, I think this is, we, we, we've, we've not yet reached the peak of innovation for AR. And that's pretty exciting to me. I think that with any new technology, a new market emerges with it. And, you know, we haven't fully yet, um, you know, dove into that market. And I think that now is the time for that to happen. So that's very exciting. So just to go back to the AR technology, how do you think AR technology has matured? When we started, um, so I think it's in a good place. Um, there, there have been those studies where, you know, you like uh, go toward on the humps of technology and you call something like where something needs to be for early adopters and then late majority and, and all these like boom and bust cycles and, you know, um, th- those are looking good. So like looking at, um, that was just a hand wavy explanation to it. But um, all I'm trying to say is that augmented reality as a technology is already stated to have moved beyond an emerging technology. So more or less now people know what it is. They have some perspectives on it. And if you're at a large company, you're likely going to have an augmented reality strategy, or it's going to come up in your meetings and you're going to um, have to make some type of decision on it. Um, but, but even going back, uh, it started in a very kind of with simple roots um, in the beginning back, you know, however many years ago, um, all you did was just take the computer vision, uh, just use the chips on your phone that were not that powerful. And all you could do was just say, here's this design on a piece of paper that we can make a computer vision algorithm process um, like a, on a sheet of paper. And then you just put it on a table and then you display some type of 3D thing on top of that sheet of paper. So this is like, imagine you have no, and I'm just yeah, briefly contrasting this to the current stage. You can just, you know, in some applications, walk or move your phone around your room and it will automatically know where your floor is, where your walls are, um, where the edges of your countertops are. Um, that kind of all stem from this very basic how can we pretend that we know what the world is like? And we can do this by kind of modeling that if a sheet of paper in that design, then we kind of know that there's a table there and we can kind of like start building these experiences on top of the real world with the camera open. So it starts incredibly rudimentary like that, um, but then it moves on more and more. And you have now, as I mentioned earlier, these large companies like Google and Apple making big investments with, you know, st- customized developer development environments for these particular industries. And, and you can get pretty deep into um, the processor and the GPU of the device and really take full advantage of what these phones have to offer. Um, I, I, it's, it's, I, it's, it hasn't matured for sure, but um, I think it's on the right track. Yeah, I think this is definitely going to bring about the next wave of, of hardware revolution. I, we've been hearing a lot of talk lately about how we are almost reaching the post-smartphone era. And I think that's a, a key signal. Right, right. 
you know, AR is definitely one of those technologies that will be joining that revolution of, of moving past this era and, and developing more and more hardware. So, so going, going back to your point earlier, you mentioned that a lot of big companies like Google um, have been investing a lot of resources and talent into developing this. Um, I, I remember back when I was doing uh, a few internships in college, um, you know, AR and VR were sort of uh, put to the wayside in the small R&D department of any company that you were, you were to look at. And, and nowadays, that's not the case. And so um, I'm curious to see, you know, how that's changed and, and how that's going to um, become more prevalent over time. Yeah, and I mean, along with your startup experience, you've built AR solutions for the comp- for one of the largest companies on the planet, Walmart. Where do you see augmented reality fitting into corporate innovation? So two, two incredible kind of mini questions there. One kind of that I think is super important to say is that all of these large tech companies will, will or have already um, released uh, products in this space that are kind of either... Um, improvements on hardware. So, for example, Apple's a big one that I think I think probably a lot of people have kind of heard news that um, they're actually going to make an announcement within the next um, anywhere from a year to two years on um, a new product that's actually going to be over your eye and it's going to do interesting things and um, it yeah, takes I, a well-designed. I hear about that? Uh, that's exciting. Yeah, and it, and it definitely takes like a, a company that is honestly has a great track record of making hardware great for users to bring these technologies into the mainstream, at least in daily life. Currently, you definitely don't see anybody walking around with augmented reality glasses. For now, it's very heavily on mobile augmented reality and looking through your camera first. Um, but in many ways, like that, that looks silly, like people running around playing Pokemon Go or looking at their phones to um, play with the new Minecraft Earth, which is a new augmented reality, kind of like uh, Pokemon Go uh, wanna be in a way um, uh, that it'll look much less crazy if it's up on your eye. But um, to answer your second point, uh, second question, um, to work with large companies and to prove these technologies, what's incredibly crucial is separating yourself from the kind of demo hype of augmented reality. And what I mean by that is that um, it's this technology has been around for quite some time in that anybody who really wants to throw up a demo and make it look cool is going to be able to. Um, You can kind of wow somebody with the technology because in a way, like augmented reality is cool. Like you can put something and it's on your real world. And if you haven't seen augmented reality before, then it's kind of like a wow experience. And, you know, even in my past, like I had plenty of success going to trade shows and being in booths and showing off the tech and people are like wowed by it. But at the end of the day, what you have to prove is that you have an ROI there. You are delivering value that, you know, you're delivering 10x more value than they're paying you. And, and that's how you do business. And so moving away from that um, kind of like fun, fluffy area, but really just digging deep into what does the customer need and why is this technology in this particular context going to be beneficial is always is always the challenge of any entrepreneur working with honestly any technology um, and just especially now and especially even like as you know the the, the market for uh, you know crazy venture capital dollars for crazy startups that may or may not make money is kind of potentially drying up over the next few years um, having these real use cases are definitely going to be um, the place to look at and, and the thing to focus on absolutely that's fantastic and 
you know, just a couple of follow-up points to that. Yeah, you know, people might think it's silly that we have uh, games like Pokemon Go and and you know Minecraft Earth, as you mentioned. But it's people often don't realize that a lot of the biggest innovations in the past few years have come from things like games. And and to you know further that point, I think that um, the more that bigger companies invest in this technology and this emerging market, the more we'll see smaller startups and smaller um, sort of you know, 10 people teams trying to work with the same technology. And I think that's going to inspire a whole new wave of innovation and competition. And, you know, as we all know, the best way for a market to succeed, um, sorry, for a technology to succeed in the market is competition. And I think that's very exciting that we're seeing a lot of, a lot of companies right now trying a lot of different things, whether that is um, Snapchat with their spectacles or even Google Glass back, I think, several years ago, I think seven or eight years ago. I think it's, the small improvements and small breakthroughs that we make along the way through these kinds of um, products and projects that then ultimately leads to a, a bigger breakthrough that will you know, be the defining moment in, in how this technology has placed its mark into the mainstream. So that's definitely really exciting. And looking at other industries as well. So um, we, we've talked throughout the show so far about the, the various different applications for AR whether that's in manufacturing and training awareness um, with your company, with the restaurant and retail industries. Um, beyond that, you know, I'm, I'm curious, have you seen, um, or I guess, what have you seen as different growth opportunities in other industries perhaps that are not, um, you know, that you wouldn't think of first off when you think of AR. So for, for instance, um, the construction industry or architecture, um, you know, what, what, are some, what are some trends you've seen in, in those industries and how do you see um, this trend maybe changing over time or growing? Absolutely. All of them are going to have such a deep swell of innovators and deep industry expertise and use cases that they're tackling. Um, like some, you know, like for example, some of the, one of the most profitable kind of AR companies in Chicago does educational AR games for um, clinicians and practitioners of certain and, and doctors and a very niche audience and they're very targeted and the games are like very scientific and they're like promoting um, different drugs to these doctors or like teaching them how they how they work and things like that and just kind of educating them and also entertaining them and it's kind of a game and these kind of for example niche audiences are very sought after and so the companies that work with them pay them a lot of money to build these experiences, deliver these innovative solutions. And, and that's just, you know, an example of good for them. Like they just pick this super niche field and they're going head on on it and, and have been, you know, um, growing like crazy. Um, there's, there's a lot of kind of very specific, deep examples in any number of these places. And, um, and, and the reality is that it's, the, the, the biggest thing about augmented reality and, and VR and things like that is that it doesn't often kind of rep, like it starts with what the industry is and then you build the technology to make it work in that industry. It doesn't necessarily start like with the technology first uh, and then move on. Um, and so and so all you're going to do, for example, is like you're going to have this environment that you could put stuff on and instead of putting on um, medical information, you'll put on, you know, some manufacturing directions or you'll put on um, some like a, a couch to sell. Um, and all of them are going to have their own user experiences and their own 
um, innovations in that particular field. Um, sure. Yeah, it's kind of going back to what I said earlier about being agnostic. And that's the power of AR, in my opinion, is that it's going to become a platform for various different applications and use cases. Um, and that will be, as you said, problem driven. It's not so much, of course, there's a, there's a hype curve in the beginning where the technology itself is sought after. But I think as we mature along and this market grows, we'll see that, um, you know, we'll, there will definitely be a need for more um, problem finding and, and design thinking behind this, um, behind this uh, technology. And we'll see that the problems will be the, the, uh, the drivers of the innovation and not necessarily the technology itself. But on the same side, um, you know, so uh, Justin Rosenstein, who very famously developed the like button for Facebook, um, uh, he once was once quoted saying that um, it's very common for engineers and, and uh, developers to make things with the best in intention in their mind, um, thinking that the technology is, um, you know, something that's going to revolutionize the way that we do X. And they, they may have the best of intentions in mind, but the outcome may be much more negative or there may be unintended consequences. And do you think that, um, or perhaps, you know, what, what, what do you think those unintended or negative consequences may be uh, as it applies to AR? Yeah, well, kind of, kind of an easy one is maybe you're playing Pokemon Go and you like walk into a in, in oncoming traffic or something like that uh, because you're not looking up from your phone. Um, but, but moving beyond those kind of silly ones, um, there's, I mean, any, anything and everything can and uh, um, will happen and will be something that we think about even more than AR, because you're still looking at the real world. VR kind of um, makes me question things a little bit more because um, it's such a great entertainment vehicle. It is so much fun and that I can totally see people just, you know, not wanting to deal with the real world BS and just hang out in a VR world where they can do whatever they want as these technologies become um, super immersive and just beautiful worlds um, and, and incredible adventures and things like that. Um, and and for, for AR, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, um, it, it's kind of a, a little bit of like VR light, I suppose. There's no like um, societal, I think, huge challenges that we'll have to overcome. Um, but but I have yet to I, I I will always eat my words if there's um, something that will come up and if something does then I'll always work hard to fix those challenges. Absolutely, yeah. I think AR and NVR are both technologies that are part of this. Um, I like to call it the the digitizing of the physical world. You know where we we start right, to bring right. technologies into the real world and we see how they impact the way people move, the way people interact in physical spaces. And that is something very much new to um, the, the tech industry, the, um, you know, regardless of industry, it's new to just the way that society operates. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out over time. So kind of, uh, you know, segueing as we, as we um, look, look forward to the next wave of talent, um, I'm, I'm sort of curious um, how this, uh, this talent will be grown. And so, um, you know, for, let's say, let's say there are, you know, I know that there are a lot of colleges and programs that are looking to um, be more invested in AR and VR. Um, where do you think that they should start or for, for aspiring students or, or um, uh, programmers or scientists, whoever they may be, where, where should they start with this technology? And 
are there any good, um, you know, learning resources or platforms for them to start off with? Yeah, as with any new technological shift or plat or per like, and like even a programming language or any new development environment, um, the best place to go, in my opinion, will always be YouTube and Google. So if um, making sure that you're typing in simple keywords from our conversation, such as um, augmented reality, iOS development, is going to get you surprisingly far. That's going to get you to your first demo and well beyond that. And you will build something and you'll have it on your iOS or Android device, depending on which phone you have. And you are now an AR developer. And it was that easy. Um, a popular program that people use is called Unity 3D. Um, because it was originally a game engine that specialized in 3D graphics and um, rendering. And so it, it's very easy to, it's, it's even like a drag and drop thing, even um, where you don't, you don't have to code even in the beginning. You can just create these AR experiences on your own. Um, uh, so that, that is kind of my, my favorite place to start. I, there's never been any books that I read on the topic. There definitely aren't any classes to, to take at universities. Although now they're absolutely picking up steam and, Almost every university now, I feel like, has a, um, well, definitely an AR, well, starting with VR, I, I think mostly a class on that. And almost all have um, student organizations, um, labs popping up with these emerging technologies where students can play around and apply them to whatever branch of the university they are. Normally, this is very kind of um, interdisciplinary, um, kind of part of the university, um, which I always like to see. Um, and yeah. Googling is a, is, a, is a great resource. Yeah, I agree. Those are some great places to, to start. And so as we start to wrap up the show, is there anywhere that people can go to check out your work? And is there anything else you would like to tell our audience? Uh, sure, sure. I've got a few. So um, the first company that I mentioned, Menu3, um, that can be found at uh, menu and then 3three.com. Um, my, the next kind of spinoff product after that was called insert and that's at insert3d.com and that lets you easily create. Um, so, so it's one of the first APIs for easily scanning and embedding 3d experiences into your existing mobile applications. So, um, just in, uh, five lines of code, you can add a 3d model into your app. Um, and, um, with that also is an open source library that's on my GitHub, um, that if you type in insert 3d into Google, you should be able to reach. And then the last thing that I think is gonna be very interesting for maybe some of the technical people listening is that if you have interest in these technologies or maybe you've developed on it before, but at the, you know, at least have a passion in it, um, then there's a phenomenal hackathon that isn't a college kind of great hackathon, but a kind of industry specific one with incredible talent um, at, at the MIT Media Lab um, called MITRealityHack.com. Um, uh, that's, that's an organization that I'm helping put on this year, um, a, a hackathon, and it is phenomenal. And the people you'll be able to meet and the, just you'll build something cool by the end of it. Um, the mentors are all phenomenal as well. Um, I'd recommend applying to that. I think applications close in about a month and that will be a great way to either get in the industry if you haven't before or continue your um, rise to the top. That's fantastic. Yeah, I've been to many hackathons in my time, and I think that they are fantastic <laughs> of, of innovating and just having fun more than anything. Wow. Well, yeah. I hope to see you there then. Definitely. You, I'm <laughs> going to go apply right now. 
Wonderful. <laughs> Oh, do you have anything else to add, Harsh? No, that was awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge, Victor. That was incredible to hear. And I, I know our audience is going to love this episode. So, yeah, I think as we keep doing these episodes and we keep exploring different industries, I think we are beginning to see a lot of common trends across across industries. And, um, you know, although our show is called Hack the Industry, and for those who are listening, may not have the, the background in um, AR, or last week we talked about um, the satellite and space industry, or the week before that we had a show on fitness and yoga. I think that's what's what's really exciting and beautiful about these episodes is that they, they there are key nuggets and key takeaways that we try to leave you with um, after each episode so that you can be... Um, be inspired to learn more about the industry or um, if you are proficient in that industry and you are you know as Victor said on your way to the top it's a way for you to keep motiv- keep motivating yourself and, and keep um, finding those networks and finding those contacts to keep uh, pushing boundaries and that's what we're here to do and we we sincerely hope that this show is helping to break those boundaries and and inspire you to explore more and learn more so with that um, another great episode for the show um, as always, keep giving us feedback on what you liked and didn't like, um, and we will see you next week.